Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the CPI data, but also to review a housing crash debate he had over the weekend and why inventory numbers are so crucial to that debate. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah, and thank you for being such a gracious host in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, we loved having you in. We had uh, lots of strategy sessions with you and various people on our staff. So we are we are ready to go. Um, also, I'm just I have to say you are repping Texas right now. Maybe it was your recent time in Dallas, but I think you're wearing this like Western shirt for people who can't see it. I think you're getting ready for Housing Wire Annual in Austin, right? Yes, I am getting ready for Housing Wire Annual because that's going to be the main event, and there's going to be so much discussions that I'm going to have there that's going to be different than other places. And also, I've got to make a video for the associations, uh, uh, Realtor Association for Alabama, because after Austin, I'm going there, and Alabama lost to Texas. <laughs> so I'm wearing Texas. So this is me kind so, of trolling So you're making them. a statement in several different ways. I'm a UCLA guy. So, you know, it's, they're great. I'm a 49ers fan. I'm loving it, you know, and I can't wait for the Niners to beat the Cowboys again. I'm just glad football is here. Okay. So it's just, I'm, I'm just, that, I'm really excited. And, and that they've come to some agreement so we can watch football, which is, you know, the big thing. But uh, okay, let's jump in. Inflation data, CPI, tell us where we are. Okay. So today is a good, good day to review what we've talked about all year. And as the article talked about yesterday, uh, labor data over inflation for now, inflation Cooling down is extremely important because it's going to talk about what the Fed will think about next year. But as I am talking to you right now, the 10-year yield is at 4.24%. Mortgage rates are still above 7%, but that's basically the peak end forecast uh, uh, of the year. And the whole 10-year yield channel this year was really moved around what I thought the job jobs data would be. And the only jobs data that mattered to me at this stage of the economic cycle tied to all the economic work, the recession model, everything is jobless claims. And jobless claims in the charts and those uh, in the Housing Wire uh, article shows you that jobless claims has been getting better, not worse. Where the, the labor market isn't as tight as it used to be, that's really critical for everything. But the the last final key in this puzzle as in all economic cycles post-World War II, is jobless claims data breaking. Because once it does, the bond market will react to that more than anything else. So you know, uh, inflation came a little bit hotter than anticipated, but the core inflation data is now in its disinflationary phase. It was actually one year ago uh, today, went on CNBC and said, hey, listen, rent inflation, it's hot and everything, but it's it just can't sustain itself. It'll be a more positive story in 2023. We're seeing that. Uh, play itself out, but you know it just it just shows that today, with being September and being with the growth rate of inflation, core inflation uh, 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 falling down, and and headline inflation no longer at eight nine percent, but the ten year yields at four point two four, right? Because the bond market is going to work off of labor data, and labor data 
And with the growth rate of where inflation is at right now, uh, uh, you know, you can make a case that the 10-year yield is still too low. Um, but the bond market, to me, never bought into the 1970s inflation premise because if it did last year, the 10-year yield would have been north of four and a quarter or five and a quarter. We would have just exploded past there. The Fed would have been raising interest rates so much more higher than what it is. But we're at this critical point to where it's really the labor data. And the Fed is already talking about rate cuts uh, next year, possibly, even if the labor data doesn't uh, break. And this is trying to find that equilibrium between real yields, is policy restrictive, what's going to happen with student loan payments, the strike, uh, you know, the the savings rates being uh, depleted for some people. And then we have to just take the economic data. And this is why I've always stressed that if you're not following weekly daily, uh, d- daily economic data, uh, it's going to get lost. And if you're f- if you're following people with ideological perspectives um, or financial motive perspectives in terms of not telling you the the truth, then it, it's con- it's a really confusing year. It really has been. I mean, uh, the whole growth rate of inflation falling and rates should follow that. Not in the works for this year. Next year will be a different story. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But this year, it's the labor data. And I, that's the only way I could explain to you, the economy is still holding up. Mortgage rates are still high. Uh, if we closed our eyes and went back to 2016, we woke up and somebody told you that job openings you know, is near 9 million and jobless claims are under 300,000, all of you, if you follow data... Um, would say, wow, that is a very healthy labor market. So look at it as that, because once claims break, it's over. We're not there yet. It's less tight, but we're just not there yet. And hopefully the article yesterday with all those charts kind of explained the whole mindset of mortgage rates and the 10-year yield. And this goes back to all the way starting back in 2015 when I started to incorporate that into the uh, yearly forecasts. Okay, so I wanted to ask you about a piece that we published earlier this week from Dave Stevens, obviously a very well-known figure to this audience. It was an opinion piece, and it was uh, the headline is, Who Will Buy the Mortgages? And he was really talking about um, the fact that since the GSEs were put into conservatorship, without Fannie, Freddie, or the Fed, who's going to buy agency MBS? And you know, he tied that back to one of the reasons we have such high mortgage rates today. And I, I know this is something you've talked about that MBS, you know, that this is a problem that the federal government could change very quickly if they wanted to. They don't want to for di- different reasons, but just wanted to get your take on that. The main reason why mortgage rates are still high is because the 10 year yield is at 4.24%. That's number one. Uh, number two, the spreads are wide because the market is very stressed. There's a uh, prepayment risk. There's all these variables that come into this equation because the the biggest buyer has not been there, but the spreads are wider than normal. Um, the Fed doesn't care. The Federal Reserve is not going to buy mortgage-backed securities, nor is the government. They can do this if they want to. They choose not to even whisper about it, right? Um, and part of the thing you know, for me, it's interesting that David Stevens talked about this because this is a conservatorship issue. If there were publicly traded companies, this is not happening, right? So uh, I've always said this, the blessing in disguise in America right now is that uh, Mark Calabrio failed 
in making Freddie and Fannie publicly traded companies without conservatorship. If that would have been the case, all of us would be having a much different discussion about mortgage rates and the housing market. So it is imperative that the two giants stay in conservatorship because what we have seen in banking is that the banking sector, no matter what you know uh, a buffer they have, <clears throat> the market could turn on you like this. Right. And there's a lot of banks that have unrealized losses in some mortgage backed securities. And uh, I don't believe the Fed even cares or wants to even talk about this. I think when you have a job loss recession and if people are losing their homes, that's different. But I, do, I don't believe that's, that's even part of any kind of real discussion at this stage. Even Freddie and Fannie are in conservatorships and they're somewhat acting like you would in a uh, if they were publicly traded companies i know the so some of the buybacks have been aggressive in nature but i will always remove around the 10 year yield the spreads have gotten a little bit better recently uh, uh over time you know i we will have to see this be tested but when the fed cries uncle at this stage and they talk about rate cuts then in theory because the spreads are so bad already, they should get better on their own a little bit. We were we were actually heading there before the banking crisis happened. So the spreads aren't as good as what they used to be before Silicon Valley's issues. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it at this point. Uh, but if the United States government really wanted to, it could. But we're back into this debate where the Federal Reserve doesn't really address home prices. Because what are they going to do? They, they have this dual mandate. And uh, uh, I don't believe, you know, when I saw Neil Kashkari come out earlier in the year and say 6% mortgage rates is a problem for them, you, people should have just gone with that and realized that they don't care. The Federal Reserve is telling you that housing is rebounding, purchase application data is at 1995 levels. So I, as an institution, would not look for them for leadership here. Or any kind of coherent thought. They just kind of put their heads down and just didn't care. They left it. Uh, The housing market is stabilizing because home sales have fallen so much that we're basically at that kind of 4 million level that I've always talked about for many years. This is not just this period. This is a big piece of my work. The home buyers now are just in a different spot and inventory levels are still low. So I don't know if. Freddie, Fannie, and and the Fed uh, are willing to do that or talk about this or have the ability to do that at this stage. When a job loss recession happens, then there's the cover of Americans losing their homes and their jobs. And the only people that are going to be happy about that are the anti-central bank movement people, so whatever. But uh, at that point, we can see maybe some uh, movement by the government. But until then, I wouldn't count on it. Uh, they could, they anybody could have changed this anytime they wanted to. They haven't for a reason. Go with that. Okay, so that brings up the next uh, topic I wanted to talk about, which was a pretty epic debate you had on Twitter Spaces over the weekend. So we're we're recording this on Wednesday. On Saturday, you had a debate with someone who believes that the housing market is crashing. Um, And it was an amazing debate. And I think at the end, you had 15,000 people have viewed this, uh, you know, either were there live, there was a ton of people, thousands of people while it was live, and then thousands of people more since 
it's been up and uh, the recording. So let's let's replay some of those points that we had because it was pretty amazing. One of the things I've hopefully I've tried to explain this over a very long period of time. There are people out there who have never forecasted housing in their life. They have no economic models for housing whatsoever. They have no data that they publish. And my premise all these years is that if you're going to talk about inventory channels, then you're going to have to forecast your inventory channels based on your data that you provide. You can't say that you drive a car around and look at stuff. And no, Um, you have a lot of people who are copying a lot of other people's work and they don't even know how to cite it correctly. And I've, I've stressed this to everybody who's listening to this now. If the person is not forecasting or showing any kind of models for housing or even trying to explain something, then they're not housing people. There is a lot of speculative theory out there, but my point has been very simple. If this is the year, <laughs> if this is the year of the Airbnb bust or whatever the new bills bust, then you would see new listings data take off. And the year that was supposed to be the investors crashing and everything tied with the lowest new listings data ever recorded in history, ladies and gentlemen, women and children of all ages, boys and girls, whatever, we are talking about going to 1790 all the way to 2023. You cannot have an inventory bust if the data that requires the home to be listed is trending at the lowest levels in the history of America. I don't know how else to make it as simple as that. I could get in a car, drive around the country and say, look, that is an empty lot. They're not accounting for it right. Oh, look, it is the shadow inventory. It is going to come out. Those horns are going to come out and all these vacant homes are going to come into the market and we're all going to die. This is a grift. They've always been doing this for 12 years. We wrote about this. We actually, you know, wrote exactly what the grifts were every single year for 12 years. So I implore everyone. The reason I challenge people to live debates is because in two seconds, I could see what's going on here. So I, if I can't be around you guys all the time, but if they're not giving you their forecasts or they're not giving you any kind of forward-looking models, then I'm telling you they're just making stuff up. And that's what it is, right? My trick is trying to get these people to do a live debate with me because they are all part of one group. There is only one group in the history of America after 1913 that does this, right? And they have constantly done it year after year after year. Right. So there's no, you're, you're not dealing with people who don't know they're part of a cult. And that's part of why I try to say this, right? People who are in cults don't know they're part of a cult, right? People who know, follow me, my social media uh, uh, um, channels, you, you realize what I'm doing. I want as many live debates because I'm basically setting people up to show you exactly what I've talked about for a long time. Uh, and new listings data will go straight vertical, Sarah. I'm telling you, it is it, it, the one data line that nobody in America can miss is that when there is actually a bust and millions of homes will come to the market, you will see it in the new listings data. It is a very simple concept. And during the last three years, 
It has been trending at the lowest levels ever recorded in history, even with 3% mortgage rates. So the mortgage rate lockdown people got what they wanted. Even with the biggest crash in home sales ever recorded in history last year, new listings data was trending at all time lows. Even when mortgage rates came back down toward the end of last year and through the early part of this year, new listings data, because there is more structural dynamics that is part of the inventory channel in America after 2010, which I will talk about in Housing Wire Annual. Um, you are going to be another victim of the Logan Motoshami crusade around everybody trying to take down as many bad takes as possible. And that that was the point of that debate. And I just kept it simple, right? If you're going to see inventory increase in a big fashion, you will see it in the new listings and the active listings data will grow. We have a major affordability issue, right? And even with that, even with the biggest crash in home sales ever recorded in history, and this was the point of that debate, the only way I could explain to everyone why home prices are back at all-time high is because demand stabilized and active listings are near all-time lows. That's it. You don't make it any more complicated than that. There's no shadow inventory. There's no Airbnb bus. There's none of these things are coming. You follow the weekly data. The tracker we created for everyone is so people can read. And Sarah, what do we think about reading? Reading is a good thing. Absolutely. Okay. So yes. the reason that I'm bringing this up is because before we started to regularly do uh, these podcasts, before I started editing you, I was not aware that there are large numbers of people who talk about this. And since, you know, since we've been doing this, I see it everywhere. And this weekend was a great example of that because we had somebody, we had thousands and thousands of people, 15,000 people were interested in this topic. Is housing about to crash? And you were talking about data and the person that you were debating was talking about, and that's why you brought it up. She was driving, she drives around different areas and she sees a lot of homes for sale. She specifically says that in the Austin area, she drives around builders and they seem to not be selling any houses. Um, it's we know that the Austin area has declined um, as far as prices, um, but overall, uh, even in Austin, you cannot make a, a, a tangible case um, that housing is crashing. And she also mentioned the shadow inventory that the reason that your numbers are off is because there's all these homes that never get put on there. So I'd love for you to answer that the way you Sarah answered. the shadow inventory the, the, sh- <laughs> the shadow inventory was a 2012 premise that has stayed with us for 12 years, right? There's always millions of vacant listings. There's always homes lurking in the dark. And if that was ever going to be a thing, you would see it in the new listings data. See, one of the things that I try to do when I tour the country is that I tell people, listen, Mike Simonson, Altos Research, and myself as a team, there's nobody better, right? All we do is we've got data scientists, we've got Mike and myself, and we're just trying to give you the data. We have consistently shown this trend for many, many years. And during this trend, we've had every speculative theory on housing for 12 years. It hasn't worked. So our argument is that the people that have access to Altos research are like a, a, a two centuries ahead of everyone else. Because not only can these people read, they actually get the data up to the week per their zip code, you know, um, and there's all these 
models that we have on new listings, pending sales, pricing, price cuts. Every, I mean, Sarah, people don't even know that one third of all homes in America have price cuts. Always, right? That data is 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 available for everyone. When you see that percentage grow, then yes, the pricing will get weaker. There's certain parts of the U.S. that is literally the inventory is dead, uh, um, and there's parts of the U.S. where there's more, right? And I think uh, everyone's going to focus on Austin. Because one of the things about Austin, Austin had major production of homes for a while now. Uh, so they have a little bit different of a backdrop than everyone else. It's also very expensive in Austin as well. So Austin is an outlier. But if you, I don't know if you remember the article I wrote last year in 2022, like what would you, what, what, what does the inventory channel need to look like for effective supply data pricing to to be weak it's actually you get back to 2019 levels as a country this is why i always harp on 2019 levels. well i'm not there i mean this is something i want but what i want having inventory get back to 2019 levels and what i can have sarah wheeler we know this is never going to work uh, uh in the short term it has to be something that's drawn out by data and variables and everything and then when we're there we can get to that point but I think this year, like I've done this for so long, Sarah, I've done this for over 10 years. I, and I would tell you what happened in 2022 to 2023 was so crazy that I don't think people have comprehended that literally home prices got to back to all time highs within like months, right? So we've had almost in a sense, we've had a mini housing cycle that in some cases would play out in three years play out in months. And this is one of the things that I'm going to talk about in uh, in Austin, actually, when I do my housing wire uh, uh, presentation about how do you talk about a housing cycle that, you know, from 2005, it took all the way to get to 2008 for this long downtrend of terrible housing data to work itself out. We had it in months. We literally had a housing cycle in six months that usually could take three years. And and it's it's so unique. And if you don't actually have the live data, how would you know? How would you know, Sarah? I could take my cat and just walk around. I could take my cat and walk around and go, look, at. there's a piece of land in there. There's going to be a home built there. That's not being reported. That is the shadow inventory. And only the shadow knows this, you know? Still, that thing has to be recorded in the data as an actual listing. So it is what it is. We deal with it. I thought the the best strategy was to just debate as many people as I can so I can show people that, come on, there's a point where it, it gets beyond absurd. And we will track the data for everyone weekly. And that's what we're here for. That's why the tracker was here for. So everyone could realize you don't have to listen to anybody else but the numbers. So I wanted to bring that up because the shadow inventory, when I first started at Housing Wire, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, I, I wasn't from a real estate background. And I was like, oh, the shadow inventory. But in this case, if there was a bunch of shadow inventory and it was being bought up before it could make it onto the listings data, um, doesn't that just prove the point that like there's, you know, I mean, if it's being, if we're still at very low inventory and someone's buying up all this shadow inventory, it's the same thing. We don't have a housing crash either way. Here, here's here's the thing. Let's not even have that conversation. Let's just have the simple one. It'll go into the new listings data, 
right? Uh, this is why I, I, I've stressed this. One of the things I've noticed about the housing price crash people is they don't actually have their own data line sets. They're basically waiting for other people to comment. Um, and because they don't have that, they don't have the training or the discipline to actually know how to forward looking. I mean, we did this uh, a few months ago. That podcast, which is our most popular podcast, is basically trying to teach people. See, my job is if I teach everyone how to do housing economics, you don't need those other people, right? Uh, and the forward-looking data, even last year, uh, we only had a few weeks where we saw year-over-year growth. If that continued, then we could talk about, okay, maybe we can have an active listings uh, pick up in the spring, which I I'm, I want to see. I talk about this all the time. I want to see this, but uh, we're not there yet. And when it happens, we'll let everyone know. Us. Mike Simon said in us, we're, we're, this is bosom buddies, right? There's nothing, there's nothing that's going to get past us because we track this so closely and we have the freshest data that literally just because our visual skills, because we're not blind, we can visually optically look to see if there's any changes, let alone the numbers. I have to write the numbers down in the tracker so it makes it really obvious. But this was supposed to, a lot of people talk about the Airbnb bus this year. We are literally, Sarah Wheeler, we are literally trending at the lowest levels ever recorded in history, and it's going the other way. It's not going up, it's going down. What I didn't want to see. So let us do our thing. Trust us because all we're doing is looking at the numbers and be very skeptical of any shadow inventory. Well, from my perspective, the people that tuned into that debate very quickly realized there's there's no data on the other side. I mean, uh, it's not that you know we we suspect the data sources. There was no data on the other side that was presented, and I I think that that's that's something to talk about for um, the inventory last week um, that we saw that you reported on the tracker was what three hundred and forty three something three hundred forty three three hundred and forty three Sarah Wheeler. 343 active listings growth. Active listings growth, right. 343 active listings homes grew last week, week to week, right? Uh, New listings data was down 10,000. I'm looking for this to rebound next week because that that was such an abnormal. I mean, we had the, it's, think about the hypocrisy and the irony of everything. On the day that I'm having a debate with an Airbnb bus people, literally new listings data had the biggest week to week decline of the entire year and they didn't even know it. Why? Because they don't track the data. They don't have it, right? I knew it. I'm sitting there just listening to everybody. And Saturday night, I just tweeted that out. Oh, by, by the way, we had the biggest week-to-week decline in new listings data. Oh, the shadow inventory is still hiding in the shadow. You know, so um, I was raised to always believe in winning is a good thing, right? And it's just a competitive nature. A lot of people like to look good and lose badly because it brings a lot of attention. Me, I want to win, right? I don't care how I look. I just want to win. That's the competitive nature. That's the, I want to debate everyone. That's me going after all these trolling men out there who hide behind stupid names. I want to win in front of everyone. And I believe I can because like all the scientists and all the math people who are persecuted as witches and magicians and everything five, 600 years ago or whatever, thousands of years ago. We believe numbers are the closest thing to the handwriting of God. 
And this is why we want to fight this. Now they couldn't fight the battles last, you know, back then they were killed or arrested or whatever, but I can. So we are fighting for those who believe in math, facts, and data. And this is why we challenge. Now you got to have a personality to want to challenge people. Oh, I got that. So yeah, it you, is you have that just another day. Yeah. And, and we will do this every single day until I die. And I guarantee you, I'm going to outlive a lot of these people. Um, so, uh, one day at a time, one data line at a time, new listings, active listings, purchase application data, 10 year yield, mortgage rates, jobless claims, everything, all the enchiladas that we have in economic data. Let me do what I do best, right? There's a reason why my name is Logan. It was named after another Logan character and he's the best at what he does, but what he does isn't very nice. Ah, yes. Wolverine. Gotcha. Okay. I like this reference. I would encourage all of our listeners come to Housing Our Annual. The uh, room block's about to be about to expire. Like you're, um, you're not going to be able to um, get the great rate. We have so many incredible speakers. Logan is starting us off. He and I are ending the, um, the whole sessions with a live podcast where we will be debating the whole idea of a mortgage rate lockdown. We're going to be including the audience. You guys don't want to miss it. So um, go to housingwireannual.com and sign up. And Logan is going to be available through those three days to talk to. And uh, so it's going to be great. I also will be there. Obviously, would love to meet listeners. So sign up. And Logan, thank you so much for uh, being on this podcast. Thank you. And yes, Sarah is going to be there and she's going to lose badly to be on the mortgage rate lockdown discussion. No. <laughs> Come and see me prevail over Logan Motoshami and all his charts. That's what that's what people need to do. So either way, we'd love to see you. Oh, there. many have tried. Many have tried, Wheeler. Many have tried. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Logan. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.